Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. We're not going to be doing acts <laughs> today. Yeah, we're going to do something different in honor of uh, Pastor Taylor. I uh, just want to talk about leadership. This is, this is going to be the shortest message you've heard from me today. <laughs> and um, these are eight attributes of a good leader. And um, I thought of Pastor Taylor uh, throughout this. And um, I'm not going to say any more about this until the end because I might not get through the rest of this. Um, but how many of you are leaders, right, by a show of hands, who are leaders? All right. So everyone, so I'll, I'll take note, everyone didn't raise their hand. Um, maybe like a third of you raised your hand. Uh, and that's unfortunate because you are all leaders. If you're a disciple, you're a leader. That means you're leading other people. Hopefully you're pouring into other people. So you are by default a leader. If you're a follower of Christ, he sees you as a leader. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, there is a shortage of good leaders. There's a shortage of leaders in general, as you can see, because we don't even consider ourselves the leaders. And we are salt and light <laughs> of the earth. And that puts you in the leadership. You're the light of the earth. You are being seen. You are a leader. People are following you. Uh, simply, leadership means you have influence. You have influence over others, too. And prayerfully, you use your influence to show them the path to Christ. Um, but leadership, there's... So many of us shy away from leadership of the responsibility because of the responsibility that it entails. Um, Some of us want the power that leadership offers, but do not want the responsibility. Some of us don't want the power or the responsibility. We don't want any of it. (laughs) But unfortunately, if you are a disciple, you are a leader, you're called to go to other people, to influence them, to pour into them, to lead them. Uh, to disciple them, and hopefully you're being discipled as well. Um, as a follower of Christ, you're, you need a mentor. You need someone who's pouring into you, showing you the way, and you should be doing the same for others. But unfortunately, we've gotten away from that. That's why there's a shortage of leaders. That's why I think uh, we have people in Congress, and nothing wrong against older people holding leadership positions, nothing at all. Um, but 80, 70, 80 years old, and you're still fighting the good fight because there's a shortage, especially in the younger generations, of people who are willing to lead, uh, people who will step up to the plate and say, I will take responsibility. I will do this. Uh, I, I want to be the person in charge to follow Christ so that others will follow me. Now, we are good about talking about leaders and tearing them down, <laughs> uh, and therefore, that's why we don't want to be leaders. Uh, but these are just eight attributes of a good leader. There could have been 20 attributes. There's so many uh, characteristics of a good leader. Uh, some of them, and, uh, and looking back on this, I was like, yeah, you want to you be definitely be led by the Spirit. And, and I mean, that, thank you, Holy Spirit, because in our worship, um, the Holy Spirit, we sang this song about the uh, Holy Spirit fall, fall, on, fall in this place. I can't remember the exact words. But uh, have you, I can't remember what it said. Anyway, <laughs> uh, and the Lord said, you know, you're, you are not, we are not ready. I shouldn't say you because he said we. We are not ready for the Holy, for revival. We're not ready for the Holy Spirit to fall down um, because we have our own agenda. And if he came down, he would disrupt our agenda. And so we would be mad <laughs> at the Holy Spirit 
because he's interrupting my agenda. So that's why we sang the song, but I don't know if we make room. We don't make room in our day for the Holy Spirit to move. For the Holy Spirit to, we don't have opportunity for the Holy Spirit to speak to us so that then we can share or that we can heal or that we can pray or that we can lead others to Christ. We don't make room for the Holy Spirit to do that. And I'm sure just like, um, I'm talking about Acts, (laughs) when uh, Peter and John were going to pray and the Holy Spirit laid on their heart to uh, heal this man, the the Holy Spirit wants to do that in your life. But do do you give him opportunity to do that in your life? Or is your day filled with X, Y, and Z to do, your list of things to do, and you're going from point A to point B, and you don't have room for anything else? You don't have time for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. We barely get in our prayer, our 10, 15 minutes, even if you did an hour prayer in the morning, I doubt it, but maybe you are. (laughs) God bless you. Uh, you get in your prayer time, you do your devotion, and you're about your day. And there's very little room for the Holy Spirit to move in your life. In your life, to then also impact others. And so, um, he wants to do that. <laughs> he wants to, he's a gentleman. He's going to let you lead in this dance hall life. If you're wanting to lead, but he can lead your life so much better and there'll be so much richness to us. Um, So many times we just get bored with the monotony of life. And that's probably because we're not being led by the Holy Spirit. Because there's no monotony with the Holy Spirit. He's going to speak to you. He's going to point you to this person. He's going to tell you to pray for this one. He's going to lead you to go speak to this one. He's going to tell you to do this. And so we don't have time for that. So we don't make room for the Holy Spirit in our lives. All right, eight attributes <laughs> of a good leader. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, but that's what he said to me. So uh, I give y'all what he gives me. I don't. I try not to do any more, any less. Um, but leadership, leadership is influence. And so uh, we're going to start in Mark 8, and we're just going to se- have several different verses, and uh, we're going to try to get through this quick, quickly. But Mark, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 10 verses 35 through 45. And we're going to read that, and then we're going to start with our attributes. So Mark 10, 35 through 45 says, Greatness in servant. It says, uh, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, saying, they came to Jesus, saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Now, that's something, right? How many of you have kids who will come up to you and say, Hey, just do whatever he asks. And you haven't told them what you wanted to do. So, <laughs> so James and John, they were dirty, man. That's wrong. <laughs> we want you to do for us whatever you ask, whatever we ask. Not Jesus like, I don't even know what you asked for yet. He says to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said to him, we are able. Of course, yeah, we just want to sit. We want the glory. We don't know what it takes to get there, but we just know we want it. Uh, And so Jesus said said to them, um, 
verse 39. So Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink. And with the baptism that I'm baptized with, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but is for those for whom it is prepared. We'll get back to that. For those for whom it is prepared. Verse 41, and when they, when the ten heard it, so you know, we had 12 disciples, and those two try to curry favor with Jesus, and, and uh, you know, sometimes just how leadership is in the world, it's all about favors. It's not about the work that you do or the preparation that you have, but it's about who you know and who you can talk to first to get in with them. And so the ten heard of it, and they were greatly displeased with James and John. They had some coarse words and gave them the side eye and say, who you do think you are trying to curry favor with Jesus? We might want those two seats as well. It wasn't that they were mad about <laughs> the question. They probably was mad that they didn't ask the question first. <laughs> uh, and they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, you know what? Those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord over them. Their great ones exercise authority over them, yet it shall not be among you. All right, he's talking about leadership. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. Whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. So, number one, the first attribute of a good leader is must be willing to serve. Must be willing to serve. Not self-serve. <laughs> Not be self-serving, but willing to serve others. And this service, uh, the usage of it means like to be a waiter, uh, to someone who performs any service or administration for other people. And so if you desire to be a leader, you must know, and all of us are leaders, you must know that your job is to serve others. And I know that's difficult because many of us don't like serving others. We like being served, but we don't want to serve others. And so therefore, we would allow other people to go in leadership ahead of us, even if we know they're less qualified or they, we know they may not do the job as well as you or maybe even others. But because they are willing to serve and you don't want to serve, then you say, hey, let them do it. I want to just kick back and relax and partake when I want to partake. I I like being a spectator. I don't want to be a participant. The requirement is that we are participants. Anyway, you must be willing to serve. Number one, must be willing to serve. The Lord inspired his servants to carry out his plan for his people. That was the whole point of having the disciples is that he was serving them so that they would then serve others. And that is how the gospel spread, y'all. It wasn't by Twitter or Internet or <laughs> you Google Jesus and you found out about the Lord. It was spread by other people pouring into other people and those people being incited and excited about serving other people. And they did this and it spread over the world. And so what started out as a small group became numerous and many. So must be willing to serve. Number two, anticipates needs. Um, We know we talked about expectation in Acts last week. The beggar expected something from Peter. 
and John. But expectation is different from anticipation. Anticipation requires you to take action. So Noah in the ark was expecting rain. And he could not have done anything, but it still expected the rain. But because he anticipated rain, he built the ark. And you can expect something and not do anything. But you're, because you're anticipating company coming over your house, you might clean up a few rooms and clean up the bathroom. I anticipate they're going to come over, so I'm going to take action. I expect them to come over, but I'm not going to do anything. So anticipation requires you to take action. Nehemiah discovered that when Judah's enemies schemed to stop him from leading and rebuilding the wall, he took action. So he anticipated the needs of others and took action. In that same vein, we're going to stay on Nehemiah because the first one, we're willing to serve. You anticipate the need, and then you take initiative. A good leader takes initiative. They see a problem, and they want to resolve a problem. You see that we need volunteers in children's ministry or ushers or greeters, and you're just not going to sit back Sunday after Sunday and they announce it and say, well, I'm not going to do anything. (laughs) You're going to take the initiative. And say, hey, look, I'm willing to work in this. Even though I'm not called, this is not my ministry, but I'm willing to do that. Um, I've done many things in ministry that I didn't want to (laughs) do or I wasn't called to do. But the Lord placed it on my heart because I took the initiative. And he wants you to take the initiative. So Nehemiah 1, uh, verses 1 through 4, says the words of Nehemiah, the son of, I'm not going to pronounce his name right, so I'm not going to say it. (laughs) It came to pass in the month of Shelev, in the 20th year, as I was in Shashan, the citadel, uh, and that Hanani, one of my brethren, came to me from Judah. So when his brethren were coming to visit Nehemiah, uh, Nehemiah from, uh, from Judah, and he asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, this is after Babylon, uh, who survived the captivity and was concerning Jerusalem, he asked them about what was going on in his hometown? What's going on back there? How's Jerusalem doing? How's uh, the Jews doing? And they said to me, the survivors who are left from captivity in the providence are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard those, these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And if you read on in verses 5 and 6, then he begins to pray. And it's a really good prayer. I don't have time to get into it today. Uh, we, had, we had to preach that one time, one day. But um, it's a really good prayer that he prays. But you see, Nehemiah's friends knew what was going on. They brought him the news that the gates were burned and that they were in distress. But it did not say that his friends were praying and, and that wept and, and seek and sought the Lord. It said, when Nehemiah heard the news, he fell to his face and wept and mourned because he knew he was going to have to take action. And then he began to pray, and then the Lord told him what to do. And Nehemiah had a good job. Nehemiah was a cupbearer for the king. And if you consider the cupbearer, the cupbearer was someone who would drink the wine before the king to make sure it wasn't poison. Now, maybe that was a good job. I don't know. (laughs) I wouldn't want it, but... Uh, But he could have easily said, thanks for the news, guys. 
But I have work to do. I got some drinks I need to drink for the king, and I don't have time to go rebuild this wall. But I'm glad you told me what was going on, and I'll, they'll be in my prayers. That's not what Nehemiah did. <laughs> That's what we would do, maybe, <laughs> or we would want to do. But he took the initiative. And Nehemiah, I looked it up, Nehemiah was in uh, between, they say, between 60 and 70 years old. So somebody would say, well, I'm too old. Nehemiah took the initiative in his 60s to go rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And it was a daunting task. But because the favor of the Lord was on him, it only took him 52 days to rebuild the wall. What had laid in despair and distress for 70 years. So you just imagine a house that had been dilapidated and sitting for 70 years. And you, the Lord lays it in your heart to say, hey, I want to go and rebuild that house. It's going to take more than 52 days just to rebuild a house <laughs> or redo a house. And so the Lord was with him. And even... Uh, Nehemiah was able to get favor with his boss, and they supplied supplies for him to rebuild this wall. Must be willing to take initiative. Be willing to serve, anticipate needs. And then also has to model good character. Has to model, has to have and model good character. So I think of Joseph and Daniel when it talks about people of good char- character. Uh, Joseph, in the midst of all that he had gone through, really just remained faithful to the Lord, uh, even in being in jail, being thrown in prison, uh, thrown in the pit and into slavery by his brothers, uh, then being accused of rape by his uh, boss's wife. And at no point did Joseph say, I'm giving up. Said, this is not for me, but he maintained his faithfulness to the Lord, and God blessed him because of that. And he modeled that good character. Even while he was in prison, because of the model of his good character, others were blessed. Daniel, the same way, Daniel said, hey, I'm not going to do what the world is doing. I'm not going to eat what they're eating. I'm not going to bow when they bow. You know, even though everyone else is doing it, I'm not going to do it. Because the Lord has called me to something greater and better. And I and I'm willing to go into the fire for what he's called me to do. How many of you are willing to go into the fire because he's called you to do something different and better, to be separate, to be different from everyone else, to be set apart, to be holy? It reminds me, uh, some, me and my wife have several conversations sometimes about um, pastors and preachers and teachers and whoever they are, they have several titles, uh, online, on Instagram. And, you know, sometimes they're just doing things to get views, to get clicks. And it's like, man, why would they say that? I, I like them at one point, but they're going too extreme. They're doing too, things too whirly and too wild. And sometimes it's, and then I realize it's just to get clicks. It's just for someone to like them or to view them. or they, It doesn't matter, bad news or good news, as long as you're talking about them, it doesn't matter. But God wants people to have good character and to not just be appeasing or trying to be appeased by the world, but keep maintaining his standards. A good leader seeks out to bring it, seeks to bring out the best in others. This is important. Good leaders seeks to bring out the best in others. Hebrews 6 
9 through 10, it says, Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case, the things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. That's the NIV version. We should be helping people. First uh, Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. And I love Hebrews 3.12-13. says, Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it's called today. <laughs> Whatever day is called today, is the day you should be exhorting one another. These any of your heart, your hearts be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So when should you exhort one another? <laughs> not because they did something good, not because they did something bad, <laughs> but exhorting one another, encouraging one another today, every day. That's what we're called to do. So where are we at? Where, what was number one? Oh, you guys not taking notes. You're not keeping up. <laughs> Lord have mercy help us. <laughs> Must be willing to serve. What's this number two? Anticipate needs. Number three, we're my good students. All right. Number four. Uh, has a model of good character. Number five. Seeks to bring out the best in others. Number six. Ah, that's right. <laughs> I thought somebody might say something. I was like, go and prophesy what it is. <laughs> Number six, pro- solves problems instead of highlighting them. Solves problems instead of highlighting them. The best example I could find in that is God solved our sin problem through Jesus. Let's, uh, I'll dance on that right now. <laughs> God solved our sin problem through Jesus. And we see that throughout the New Testament and that he did not always highlight. The New Testament is not about all our sin, but it's about what he did on the cross. And he could have highlighted all our sin. (laughs) He could have wrote several books about all that we were going to do and what we have done. Um, But the truth is he was not wanting to just highlight what we were doing wrong. But his focus is on what was right, and the solving of that is through his son, Jesus. And that leads us into number seven. You see, we're almost done. Right? <laughs> that a good, leader's, a good leader covers those they lead. That's good. A good leader covers those they lead. Luke 15 talks about the prodigal son, and the son had gone out and asked for his inheritance, and he knew everything, and he went out and spent all his money and living riotously and um, spent it all and needed something to eat, and he was at the pig slop, and he said, oh, I, my, the servants in my father's house are eating better than this. I'll go back. And his father was looking for him and saw him at a distance. And ran out to him. And it says particularly that he asked the servants to bring a robe 
to cover him and put a ring on his finger. And I'm sure it was covering him because he was putting him back in his rightful place. But he was also covering the mistakes that he had made, that he wore, that were visible. You know, I'm sure that he got beat up and battered in the sin and all the distress of the world that was on him. The father did not say, look, I told you, you should not have went out there. That's not what the scripture says. He didn't say, see, I I knew this was going to happen. No, we don't have a place for you. He did not say, look, I'm not letting you back in here. No, he ran and met him and covered him to protect him. A good leader covers. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, and above all things, have fervent love for one another, fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. And ultimately, what love covered us is Jesus' blood. Now, I know you guys have been good all your little life, (laughs) and you didn't do anything wrong. And maybe your praise equals what you did. (laughs) Therefore, mine is great. But he, he covered me. He didn't expose me. You know, if you knew all that I had done, you might not want me to be up here preaching. <laughs> but his blood covers me. If you knew all that the, was out here that some of you are done and what you're going through even now, and everyone knew and it's not on CNN and there's not a camera <laughs> watching you and where you're going, if you knew you might not want to be sitting beside the person you're sitting beside. But God covers us. He protects us. He keeps us. And when he sees us, he sees the blood. And it's covered in his blood. And finally, a good leader walks in humility. Luke 14, 7 through 11, it says, So he told a parable to those who were invited. When he noted how they chose the best places, saying to them, when you're invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit in the best place. At least one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come and say to you, give place to this man and then begin the shame to take the lowest place. So you got to walk, do the walk of shame because you thought you was better and sat in the place. Now you got to go sit somewhere else. But verse 10, but 10, verse 10, but when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. I have a Quick story, when me and my wife got married (laughs) 25 years ago, um, I had a cousin. So, you know, you guys have been to weddings, and so you have an order when your your parents sit in a certain place, and maybe the grandparents sit somewhere, and um, I think it was Dietra's cousin, not my cousin, so it was Dietra's family's fault. No. (laughs) She sat up front where my my aunt was going to sit, and my aunt still sat there. Um, but I remember thinking, that's not where she's supposed to sit. Why does she sit there? You know, I'm thinking, I'm sitting up front thinking she's sitting in a spot that she wasn't supposed to. But we did not escort her away. No, she was pregnant at the time, so it was okay. We just let it go. Um, 
But I say all that to say that that is why in this story it makes sense, you know. And if you hadn't had it gone through a wedding and you know about placing and people sitting, um, you may not understand that this makes sense. That you don't seat yourself in a place uh, where they're higher honor. You seat yourself. But don't seat yourself at all. Wait till the usher sees you. <laughs> um, but anyway, humble yourself. Find humility. Luke 14, 7. Luke 14, 7 to 11. That you, we're not here to exalt yourself, but as a good leader, an attribute is humility. That we're not better than anyone else. I don't need to be seated higher. I don't need a special chair. I don't need special parking. Uh, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and so, in doing this, I, I thought of Pastor Taylor throughout this message. <laughs> He was a great leader, uh, a humble man, and really taught me a lot. Uh, one of the things I will share this, um, I say it. <laughs> so there was a time, it was, it was a time, season in my life, I was not happy, <laughs> I was not happy with the Lord uh, and what he was doing with me and through me. He was doing it in me and through me and uh, just felt really low. And I remember Pastor Taylor calling me. And there was a time I was like, I, sometimes I would not want Pastor Taylor to call me, to check up on me. Uh, and he did faithfully. He faithfully poured into me consistently and faithfully. Um, he called me. And I did not feel worthy. I, I did not feel worthy. And um, I said, you know, I'm not going to preach anymore. I'm not going to, you know, I just, like, I'm done for a little while. Let me take a break. And he would not let me go. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit in him would not let me go. And I remember I was on a bus, <laughs> and I answered the phone. And he was like, Virgil, I'm calling you just to check up on you. I said, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm not going to make it out there. I have some other things to do right now. He said, you're worth it, Virgil. You're worth it. And I broke down crying <laughs> because the, last, the one thing you need to hear when you don't feel worth it is that you're worth it. And at that moment, I did not feel worth it. But I know that made such an impact in my life even then. Because I wouldn't be here today. I would not be here if it weren't for him pouring into me consistently um, over the years. <laughs> and so we just honor him today, great man of God. We're just very thankful for um, the grace that the Taylor family has shown um, throughout this season. It's just been beautiful. And I was telling a friend um, about the grace that you guys have shown. Such poise and beauty and grace in this season of life that can be very difficult. I can imagine coming here. It can be very difficult. But you guys have shown such grace. And so I just honor you guys and appreciate uh, the love that you guys have shown. Cornerstone. Uh, Elder Sam. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.